Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Xenothesis podcast. This episode we're covering chapters 13 and 14 from part 3 nursery of Book One Dawn of Octavia Butler's Xenogenesis trilogy. And I'm joined as always by my co-host. Michael Glinka, hi everyone. Hi Michael. It's, it's finally, it's finally uh, end of uh, part 3 nursery. Yes. Quite exciting, quite exciting for to see what brings them, you know, what happens next after in the part four. But I need to mm. say, Richard, I mm. knew, I knew there's gonna, I know there's gonna be some serious problems coming. You know, like talked about, I talked about like the whole civil war thing on mm-hmm. Earth. It's definitely gonna happen in the, during the training. It's just after the chapter 14, I just feel like it's definitely, definitely is gonna happen. Something serious gonna happen. Yeah, so there's a there do seem to be some foreshadowing of trouble um, in this from uh, Joseph's reaction at the end, and uh, you know we've got uh, Paul dying, um, so you know some fairly serious stuff occurring. Yeah, it's just um, well, let's get to it maybe because I mean I think that the short, very short chapter thirteen is the mm. perfect sort of. Uh, maybe not, but uh, but it sort of just does foreshadow things, and then in the chapter fourteen we do get sort of the reasoning why humans wouldn't be happy, and I think it's it's really it really does tell what's gonna happen. Okay, yeah. So chapter thirteen is very short; it's like half a page. Yeah, so we'll just sort of tell what happened quickly, and then get to chapter fourteen, shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. So, from our chapter 13 predictions, well, 13 and 14, because the last episode I sort of predicted, uh, put the both predictions, and I thought that basically there's going to be in the chapter 13 some description of the aftermath of what the Uloi are doing and what Joseph and Liv experienced again. And in chapter 14, we sort of get there is final preparations to release the humans to... Um, to the trainings uh, area, and I just thought that there's definitely something bound to happen. So okay, I guess so. I was sort of correct on this, but honestly, it out of all people, I, I was sort of expecting that maybe Peter will do something silly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um perhaps not quite what I was expecting when I was first reading this would happen to Peter. But yeah, it, uh, he something does happen to him. <laughs> yeah, poor fella. But then the end. Hmm. I, I sort of I think I get his reaction, but we'll get to it. So hmm. in chapter thirteen, um, it's a really short chapter as we mentioned earlier. It just depicts a brief conversation between Nikanj and Joseph about the whole process of imprinting, and basically the whole conversation is behind why the you know the Uloi are dragging people. I know for the sheer reason for the is that to dull the natural fear of strangers and, and of difference and basically the argument is about joseph is a counter-arguing about against it to that humans shouldn't be dragged that they should be like you know like lilith went through the whole process mm. but um it's but you can refute this to, to say it's more actually to protect the humans from themselves and to really let them to teach them that there are more pleasant things that are involved with you know imprinting uh with Uloi. And yeah. that's pretty much the, the the whole chapter. But like, for me, that sort of dragging people to try to get them, um, like get 
uh, not accustomed, but more actually even more like be dependent on someone. Yeah, it's it creates a, effectively a chemical bond, chemical dependence on between the the humans who are being drugged and the Uloi. Yeah, it's so fishy. It's like hmm. basically a drug dealer uh, creating dependency for his basically customers because mm. he's giving them something that is so addictive that they can't just, you know, um, break yep. away from it. It's it's so... And at the same time, it has the effect of cutting them off from everyone else as well, right? That's yeah, very, absolutely. Um, it's like a, a, a perfect drug for, like, cult inculcation. Oh, yeah. Because right? <laughs> the... Uh, not only does it, like, uh, sort of addict you to the cult leader, but it also like creates distance and like a repulsion between you and everyone else in your like social circle honestly honestly this is like super dystopian sort of um i would say life where basically you know a cult reader comes up with a dragon and basically it's like yeah i just i would not be happy in this situation i can understand why everybody else would not be happy It's, it's it's mm. such a, it's a bad thing, simply yeah, saying. Yeah, it's a sort of major imposition on liberty, um, you know, beyond even the like locking you up in a room. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, that's the problem. Is is like you know, it's one thing is locking someone in the room, but the other thing is making the person want to be locked in that room and not wanting to come out. It's just, I, 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 I think this whole situation this whole idea of you know Lilith developing um like you know awaking those humans and stuff like that I think we it should have happened uh in the jungle where yeah, basically yeah. people can sort of go around discover they're actually trapped in the alien ship and then basically introduce them to the Uloi the Onkali sorry in that step like you know like oh there's the Onkali you know and give them some time because i mean 250 mm. years have passed since the annihilation of the planet yep few years it, or months shouldn't make any difference to the onkali about it right mm. it, it definitely seems like they're not in any great hurry no and yet so they're doing it in this kind of very strange way well i mean we've discussed about the time passing with that we are not fully aware of how much the time has passed between you know certain you know events in the in the in the book but like hmm. it just feels to me that definitely it's only been a few weeks for the humans uh, in that cell uh and i think it's it would be such an easier for process for lilith in general if it was the jungle that you know this you know she goes this is an imitation of what's and this is for us to be prepared blah 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 hmm. you know Long story short, get 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 used to it, and I'll teach you survival and everything. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it just feel or or the other way around. Like for every human that uh, away is awakened, there's Lilith, and then there's the Onkali, and then basically the uh, human imprints. And then at the end of the day, um, the humans are already sort of pacified, but without mm-hmm. the use of drugs in a way. I don't know. Interesting. In any way, it's yeah. Just to return to a point you made earlier about the difference between like being locked up and then like making you want to be locked up thing. It's it's the like the difference between the the nineteen eighty four scenario and the Brave New World scenario. Mm. Right. So in nineteen eighty four, you've got like the uh, you know op- oppressive big 
brother government that will use force and kind of blunt obvious instruments to make you do what it wants um but in the brave new world scenario they don't mm-hmm. need to kind of you know grind you under your heel because you want to yeah, yeah. do what yeah. the when a world government whatever it is wants because you know it is take another hit of soma it'll be fine you'll be you'll be happy you'll want to do this it's, yeah it's nice go enjoy yourself it's the same kind of thing here right it's uh, they're using not so much the like heel and more of the it's more um, of the carrot yeah, have a nice time yeah yeah, yeah mm. it's i don't know to me i mean it's putting in ourselves in this position right at this very point of the story i feel like if in joseph's place as well i mm. i think um this whole situation would be I would agree with him that this this shouldn't be happening. And I think mm. this really is pronounced why it's so problematic in chapter 14. Mm. Um, so I think we should actually get on with that because um, I think this will really add up to the to this discussion because chapter 14 really, there are some places that it, there's so, I don't know, it's like it almost predicts the future for uh, for me. At least mm, personally, okay. without reading obviously the book, but I feel like she almost predicts the future. Okay. One one final observation there is that the the brave new world scenario is mm-hmm. almost scarier because it's a little bit seductive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you kind of want to give into it, um, and that's what they're going for here. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, in 1984, there's always going to be a opposition, right? People finally mm. will start to get. This is enough, right? This is we've had we've had had enough. Whereas you know, Brave New World is like, well, it's it's too it's too feels too good to uh to um to break away. Yep, there's there's not an opportunity to develop an opposition because everyone's just fairly content. Yeah, all the more insidious. I anyway, know. Anyway, so, uh, chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen, everyone. So. It starts a bit dark, I think, because it's we we are told about the incident between Peter and its Uloi, and his Uloi. Um, basically, we're told about Peter's um, behavior, you know, while being dragged, you know, complete different behavior, happy, you know, in peace, basically internal peace, you know, laughing, you know, joking with people. Just the, the, he didn't try to do anything, and um, Lilith. Hearing this later, this is a quote from the book. Wondered what they were, what there was to laugh at the incident, because he there was a point where he was laughing, giving you know, laughing about the whole incident, you know. And Lilith was like, "What? There's nothing really to be laughing about the incident." But it, yeah. but she thought, but the Uloi products uh, produced drugs could be potent, you know, under the influence, Peter might have laughed at anything. Under their influence, he accepted union and pleasure. And for me, this was such a premonition like hint of what's going to happen because um the whole idea when somebody's like laughing off a serious incident when they were trying to rape someone Mm. the guy is a psychopath or there's something really dark about him that basically or he's basically breaking away from the drug influence and he's just you know playing pretending Uh, it's uh, he it's it's interesting quite how how stark an effect it seems to have on him because he seems to be you know, very different behaviorally when he's under the influence of this than not, when not, um, which is I don't know, 
Maybe it's a bad sign about his his mental state. Yeah, I think so. I, I that's that's what really strikes me here is that his mental state must be in serious like problem. Like there must be some serious underlying problem because um, if you know, like when people suddenly get like oh so cheery and everything. And then they're super like depressed, let's say, without you know, whatever stimulant. Like there's serious something serious going on, and mm. I think that was the problem here. Like that that there was something undiscovered uh, and untreated. That basically maybe what it was the shock of the fact that the you know the the aliens exist or whatever. But mm. whatever it is, it's just yeah. It was asking so if, for if this if this drug is like disinhibiting, then and and he seems fairly disinhibited when it's gone away, but is not at all when he's not drugged. It suggests that you know he's exerting a lot of mental energy <laughs> to maintain his kind of uh, his normal persona. Almost, it's, it seems like he's uh, uh, in some sense out of balance under normal circumstances. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's just, and it shows here, you know, like, because the dry, you know, the go, the book goes, uh, goes further saying, you no, know, but that this whole, you know, euphoria doesn't, doesn't last long, you know, it's once mm. the drug started to wear off, Peter started thinking that he was humiliated and, and slayed, that his humanity and masculine, masculinity was profaned, right? So mm. his, his behavior, um, obviously, Anybody would feel like that, especially after the whole fact of, you know, rejecting the whole idea of, you know, there's aliens and then aliens come and they drug you up and you're so happy about it. And then once the drug starts to wear off, you're like, they were drugging me. This is not good. And, you know, it's and, you know, what else they were they'll try to do? Maybe, you know, like like he himself was trying to assist in the whole rape situation. Maybe they will try to, you know, um, do something to him. Right. So suddenly, it's a yeah, bit hypocrit- yeah. hypocritical, but like, it does. You know, anybody in his situation would feel the same. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like um, uh, to put it in terms of uh, like moral foundations theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a strong kind of um, uh, what's the axis? It's like a purity kind of. Um, oh, what's the other end of the axis? Like the sort of purity contamination thing, mm-hmm. and he feels like this. Uh, and that, you know, that's kind of an important part of his moral perceptions. He feels as though he's been sort of violated and, and contaminated. Yeah, um, I I think this is the whole, but it's such a hypocr- hypocritical thing to be to do, right? You know, he didn't have anything against violation of someone, and yet hmm. when it came to him, right, it's suddenly like no touchy, right? It's like yeah, it's understandable. Yeah, I mean, as in. Like the other axis, or another axis might be like the authority kind of component there. So, you know, if another part of his morals, an important part of his moral system is kind of the authority axis, then, you know, if he conceived to be him in some sense in a place of authority, then that would, that would fit. I mean, it is hypocritical, but it's still. And it, it makes sense from from a from his side uh, of uh, from someone with that kind of composition of, of of moral foundations. Yeah, seriously. But anyway, but anyway, uh, yeah. That and which this whole idea you know, of him feeling violated leads to the fact that once they were alone, Peter and the, and the, his Uloi, um, 
the thing is, the Ulo didn't realize that the drug is wearing off because, you know, Peter was acting, like his face was you know, saying one thing, but his body language, I guess, was very um, different to what it was actually mm. one under an actual f- influence of the drug. So when they were alone, basically, Peter suddenly attacked um, the Uloi. But unfortunately for Peter, once he hit that, spot the delicate spot or whatever we were told about before it's the defense reflexes of the only trigger got triggered and basically he got himself stung with um uh, that poison that we are were told about um from Chitaya at the very beginning and it says here his own contracting muscles broke several of his bones and then he went into a shock and died yeah that's um quite a violent sounding death it do- really does when your muscles contract so much that your own bones break like i thought maybe mm. the ligaments and tendons would break first but wow i mean there is that um oh, what's the, the the type of break that just sort of um like pops the the bone to uh, where the muscle attaches off mm-hmm. uh which is that it's a really nasty injury because it's it's super hard to recover from well because when even if you can get the the bone to like fuse back it's it's a you know there's a weak point in that connection and that's now where the tendon attaches so whenever you kind of pull on it you're doing it at a weakened part of the bone yeah but yeah it's uh i i don't i mean you put a couple of of, uh like references in here yeah Um, i thought like i was thinking about what type of sort of venom it is you mm -hmm. know that that Uloi were um, have right as in the defense mm. right because there are some neurotoxins that basically st- you know degrade the neuron cells or the myelin sh- uh, sheath mm. on the neurons but this one I thought maybe is more like a myotoxin where it basically degrades mm. the muscles uh, but then I thought to myself well it's actually not what's happening the idea is the muscles are spazzing so much mm. that like contracting so much that you know it's destroyed so I, I wasn't certain about what um what sort of venom would this? Uh, how would would you describe characterize um, this type of yeah. venom? As I was, I was aware of kind of venoms that would um, lead to like paralysis, so, you know, so sort of like the inability to contract the muscle, mm. or, or like a rigidity of the muscle, but yeah. nothing that would be like producing these kind of spasms. That was yeah, not something I'd encountered in as a real toxin. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. Like, I was curious about this, you know, because I, I looked mm. as like, you know, muscle, um, venom, venoms that in, uh, involve muscles, right? And, you know, so-called myotoxins um, are out mm. there that um, potentially, but they these lead to, as I said, degradation of the muscle. Mm. Um, the review paper that I found uh, um, actually showed like the images of the um, cryo images um, tomography images that basically show like the the layers of the muscle acting myosin fibers by basically breaking apart uh, you know it's just there's just complete breakdown of those um, molecules um, so it's not exactly that and it's not exactly a neurotoxin because neurotoxin usually affects um, the nerves and usually what it leads to this basically y- your body just switches off right it's it's causes pain because the neuro the neurons are um being you know destroyed and exposed to the environment but mm. it's not that still so yeah yeah it's a 
a perhaps non-existent class of poisons thankfully <laughs> yeah I, I mean wow honestly thankfully it's not because woof yeah hmm. I mean, oh hmm. this this paper committed a an awful graphical sin they've used a three-dimensional bar plot uh, yeah <laughs> no no you can't have this and it's unnecessary yeah uh, but I, I could have done that with a 2d plot oh well you know mm. quality of paper say eh? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, three D graphics. I know, right? That are not necessary. Yeah, make me sad. <laughs> but I was Why? going to say that um, we humans have developed some nasty stuff, right? Like some mm. nasty toxins that linger in the bodies and the, 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 you know destroy the DNA or mutate our DNA in a way that basically you you can spend your whole life in pain and never be able to recover. It's we are a nasty bunch of beings that really yeah i mean nature's got plenty of very unpleasant slow ways to die oh i, I mean, know, I know. we've just added a few yeah well, i mean yes in a way if you look in this way it's absolutely i mean it's like it's what we but it's probably minuscule but like i would hmm. say to be honest we've talked about before the botulin botulinum toxin oh uh, yes I honestly am still currently to the. I'll always be amazed by it, like the fact that you only need like few milligrams to actually wipe out the whole humanity, you know, population of humanity, because it's just such a potent toxin that it literally need like mm. nanograms or picograms of it just to to kill a human. It's just yeah, wow, it's, uh, impressively potent stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. see, this is what I don't understand about the evolution, right? You, you get this, like, um, spiders, right? That their mm. venom is capable of, like, killing an animal. And yet the only, like, actual target of, like, for them, like, to hunt is just, like, mm. a maximum, a maximum, a small rodent. Yeah. So I don't get, the, like, I just don't get what's the, per like, the evolution is just... Of really crazy it's just like oh yeah i'm going like it's gonna evolve toxins so potent that you can kill a fucking elephant and yet it only uh, has presumably there's there's still some advantage to be gained by just sort of overkilling it for the rat right because you know if you you bite the rat and it goes down immediately then you're less likely to get injured in the process whereas you bite the rat with something a bit underpowered and it kind of you know turns around and bites you then you know, more of an issue. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, but like, there's there's a limit, right? Even if you aim like mm. a, at a cat size of a being, mm. right? But st it's just I don't know. It's just for me, it's like it's like um, uh, my my favorite venomous animals are the duck-billed platypus. <laughs> okay. Because for starters, like they're seasonally venomous, and they're the only venomous mammal, and they're venomous in a weird way. They have, so the males of the species uh -huh. in like the season where they kind of um, like fight with one another grow a, a heel spur that has the venom in it, and then it it kind of goes away again when they're not in this season. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, it's, the venom is enough to kill a small dog, um, and a platypus is quite a bit smaller than a dog. Pretty small animals, uh, but yeah. I I find platypus is so beautiful animal. It's such a beautiful. Animal. It's such a. It's like, it's like a perfect sort of indication of the blend between like the outside, I don't know, lizards, 
behavior towards mammal like i don't know like it's it's like it it's it's an example of like the yeah. predecessors our predecessors basically the early predecessors it's yeah it, it kind of um yeah they branched off it's like the uh, the monotremes which are the egg laying mammals mm-hmm. of which there are only three um the long and the short snouted echidna which are a bit like a porcupine mm-hmm. and then uh there's the platypus all on its own as a just weird thing (laughs) (laughs) they lay eggs but they they lactate they don't have nipples though they just kind of like produce it from their stomachs it's really thick um they do like short hibernations um and they uh they have electro perception so that weird bill thing that they have Mm -hmm. is a super sensitive um to electrical fields oh. so they can detect uh like shrimp and stuff in the water yeah um and then eat them but they, they swim with their eyes and their ears closed and just rely on this electroperception stuff to detect their prey that is yeah this is i would say this is like probably how our predecessors would look like basically you know just like when <laughs> evolution was taking place that the, but i need to say you know a lot of plot about platypus well done like this is yeah uh, i mean I, I had a bit of an obsession with it when i was a kid oh okay okay i was like this animal is just so freaking weird i have to know more about it fair um, enough i think they may also have like the densest fur really um, they have like some it, it, on their underbellies they have some crazy density it's like 800 fibers per square millimeter or something some ridiculous wow. it might be centimeter um but yeah no fascinating animal to learn more about they're just yeah very very strange like nothing else but this has been something of a tangent so <laughs> but to be honest i love listening to tangents like this when you know so much but especially <laughs> topic like this you know from a childhood that you know like this is a platypus it's a mammal but it's actually not but it actually is and it's just you go on more and more in this rabbit hole and it's just never-ending yep. you know carousel of fun <laughs> mm. but yeah going back to the topic yeah it's uh, let's go off the tangent where were we so we were talking about the whole thing you know peter dying and his old muscles mm. like just contracting so much that basically he breaks bones and then dies because of the shock and the fact is that the Ulo tried to help him, but it once it recovered from the punches, but it was way too late. You know, there's nothing to do but to take Peter's body out and send it for the Ulo's mates, and the Ulo remained mm. catatonic. Um, yeah, it's, it seems as though Peter was just kind of super unlucky in that he like kind of accidentally whacked the Ulo in the solar plexus or some equivalent, right? Yeah, and it just kind of responded like reflexively. Um, and stung him before it could stop itself. Yeah. And then it's because it, it's quite interesting the way that Uloi responds to it because you know it, it you know re- after it's sort of recovered from this like being um, you know, having this kind of reflective response and immediately he's trying to help him and then uh, and there's this passage is the Uloi sat down beside his body its head and body tentacles drawn into hard lumps it did not move or speak. Its cool flesh grew even cooler, and it seemed to be as dead as the human it was apparently mourning. And it, it was quite—it was interesting to me the way it responded there, because it, it, it's the Uloi and the Awakali in general have this strange relationship with the humans, because they, they seem like perfectly willing to kind of you know hurt them and so on. 
but, but then or subject them to psychological torment. But then when they accidentally kill one, they're genuinely saddened by it. I think it's maybe because this whole idea of a conversation about like the perspective from an Onkali, right? Would be great for us mm. to observe what's the the difference, right? And I think here mm. we have actually the first sort of insight of what does it actually mean for an Onkali to imprint on a human. Mm. I think the idea is that Although, no, because they're so alien, our understanding of their attachment might be... It's too bizarre mm-hmm. for us to understand, and yet the idea that the Uloi did not, could not save the human that it was imprinting with, um, it must have somehow, like, really affected. And I think, mm. and I think this is, you know, it shows here we finally see something that the Onkali are not perfect with, right? Because so far, the mm. Onkali were shown as the perfect beings, right? The, you know, understanding. Although, Kaguya... They screwed up with Paul. Yeah, I was going to say, Paul Titus and Kaguya, I, you know, the idea of Kaguya, you know, not listening to Nikan show that they, they don't, they're not always perfect. Um, mm. But this is the first sort of perfect example of like that even Onkali are bound to make mistakes and this is you know the consequence of it right and it shows that this is um the whole idea of the dragging of people and Mm. then once the drug wears off it's where the problem is gonna lie yeah yeah that's uh it seems like whatever this imprinting process they're working on it's sort of uh creating these bonds between the humans and the the alloys is it's not um, it's not enough to protect them from one another. Yeah, when... I think it's 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 just yeah. it's fascinating now, and we know that. Um, I mean, later on, this whole situation shows even more, but like uh, explains it goes into more details. But I think this is the first time that we can sort of go inside of what's going on through the uh, through the sort of Onkali head, or at least their their reactions to things. And I feel yeah. like if something happened, for example, to Lilith. A very similar reaction. We would see very similar reaction from Chita, um, from Nikanj. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. So. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's sort of a, it's interesting quite how viscerally they seem to feel it because you know the, the Suloi is kind of like catatonic mm. for quite a while afterwards and is not able to kind of bring itself together to go and and um, help uh, Jean. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I sort of imagine it, yeah, it's, I mean, I never would want to uh, get myself in a situation when you accidentally kill something, someone or someone, you know, mm. some being, but like, it's, it must be, uh, additionally to the, you know, additionally to that sort of feeling, um, it must be f- additionally more detrimental because, you know, like more affecting it, the alloy because of the imprinting process. Mm-hmm. Whatever you yeah, know, because of the, the bond, the bond, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, as you mentioned, it it's just it then goes to Jean, who was, I guess, Peter, you know, who was Peter's partner and you know, partner to the Uloi, and she. Although you know, we know that the description she was a big lady, you know, like you know, quite tall, you know, uh, strong, but now scared and alone. Um, when Lilith tried to approach her to try you know, moving away from her while shouting at her, no, don't come closer to me. Um, she was going through that period of the Uloi induced reclusiveness, you know, meaning no one could get near her except for her human partner and the Uloi or the Onkali family. 
Um, but it was extreme. Like Lily thought to herself, is actually pretty extreme to uh, reaction. I don't think even Lily had this sort of behavior. Um, but not realizing that, you know, Lily goes and tries to um, get Nikan's attention. He was like, you know, can you help Jean? Help is coming for her. But look at her; she's going to break before it gets here. And as this conversation was happening, you know, Jean wedged herself in the corner, crying silently, looking around in confusion. Um, so that's when Nikan detaches itself from the rest of the Oloi's conversation and then goes towards her. And meantime, as this was happening, the rest of the Oloi went and just completely dragged all the humans up because the news of the death or Peter's death just started to spread. So everybody had to be under, um, the, the whole situation needed to be put under control. Um, yeah, as I have to, again, reminds me a little bit of the um, Brave New World thing. Something bad happens. Someone goes around dispensing soma. Yeah, just take this and you'll calm down. Um, but the thing is, nobody can approach Jane because uh, if anybody, only uh, her Uloi can drag her up because otherwise it will, um, it could cause get her calmed, right? So it, mm. it's, it's, it, the whole bonding seems to be really um, a serious matter. And, mm. um, Nikan then goes, you know, stops sort of like several feet away from her and you know, like, listen, you know, no, the only person that's dead is Peter, but there's still her Uloi, Techjat, we are told its name, that it was only injured and her siblings are coming to help. And although Jean didn't understand what it meant by saying, you know, siblings, because she never had any siblings, Nikan explains that Techjat mates are coming to help her and help yeah. Techjat. It's it's a so yeah. In case it wasn't clear, Tejat appears dead. Like it's, it's the catatonia thing that it's doing it doesn't. So I, I think Gene um, is unclear if it's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So there was no clarification. And then uh, yeah, the, the use of siblings here was a bit weird to me. Yeah, because I mean it's parents, isn't it? Like this is the whole idea that they, if I remember, it's, is that how they treated? Like you know the whole. Um, oh, it's like a partner, right? It's a mate, right? So it's not really a sibling. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's as far as I can tell, they have the. You know, they've got. It, it's like a three-person uh, relationship, right? There's the male, the female, and the uloi, mm. and then they seem to be adding a human into that family grouping. Yes. Which, yeah, it's not really. I suppose, like, what's the phrase? Um, uh, paramours. From the polyamory usage, um, would seem like a more suitable name. Okay, I have no idea uh, anything about this topic, so you have to explain to me what does it mean. I think so. Um, I can't remember now the difference between a paramour and a metamor. I forget how it works. I think um, it's like you know someone with whom your partner also has a relationship would be the paramour, and then I think the metamor is like one more removed than that. So it's, it's someone who has a relationship with someone who is a paramour of your. Um, of your partner okay if i remember correctly um but uh yeah so that's the i don't know it, it's just a siblings seems like a, like a weird descriptor in that context mm. alabama <laughs> no right <laughs> i'm not gonna go there um but yeah it's, it's a weird thing um i think it's it's um this, this idea of like so what is lilith then a sibling to uh Ahja and Dichan? is that what it is yeah 
That's uh, according to this usage, apparently. I don't know. It's it's a weird. Yeah. I think um, hmm. it's it's weird how yeah. they. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably deliberately chosen to make it seem a bit weird. Maybe. <laughs> so I just emphasize the slightly odd uh, nature of these kind of. Uh, relationship structures, these families that they've. I guess maybe uh, in the Onkali, the language, you know, the language of Onkali, there is a equivalent word that explains that properly that relation, uh, mm. because this is you know, it's a human that they are going to uh, trade yeah, with. Yeah. So I guess mm. there's a specific word for that in the language, but because there's no really a equivalence of that, then basically the yeah, siblings yeah. is probably. The closest sort mm. of type of relation yeah i suppose the the lack of a sort of a direct uh translation means they've gone for something closer and maybe it's meant more in the sense of like um you know fraternal right it, it's a, a kind of a, a brotherly relationship or, or familial it's it, as opposed to necessarily specifically you know children from the same parent yeah i guess so yeah but yeah, yeah, I guess so. But this is anyway. Yeah, I just wanted to to note that the oddity of the choice of the the um, siblings. Sure. Yeah. Um, no, that that's fair enough. And also share your uh, vast knowledge about polyamorous relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, but see, this is where the chapter goes more into why the whole dragging situation is a problem because that's when the Kurt get tries to get involved. And even against the odds while being dragged, he shows the layer, like, you know, he powers through his, you know, this distract state and tries to help Jin. But Nikanj tells him that her bonding with the world is so too strong, too heavily reinforced. So it, like, mm. it needs to dis- he needs to distance himself from Jin. Uh, otherwise, it's, it can go badly. And yeah, I, I think Kurt is also feeling that as well. So he, he like, can't get close to her not merely because she won't let him but he doesn't kind of want to either yeah, I think. yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. where you know kurt's Uloi gets involved and you know touches him and then like kurt just goes limp basically and takes him away but lilith mm-hmm. just in an internal sort of thought says like things like she knew that kurt was unlikely to forgive uh that humbling you know like this whole situation again like like pizza basically and for me this will basically is a story that will repeat itself right the whole situation and i'm sure that you know other people will also be involved uh in this situation feeling that humiliation that violation as you said you know earlier on Mm. um but that's when dejat's mates come in you know initially scared uh initially you know Jean was scared, but a bit less. And this is what book says. You know, Lilith watched sadly, knowing that the first signal Jean will receive were olfactory. The male and female smelled good, smelled like family, and brought together by the same Uloi. When they took her hands, they felt right. There was a real chemical affinity. That's when they, you know, take mm-hmm. her away to Tejat, and then, you know, in that the room where it was just standing catatonically and, I don't know, just trying mm-hmm. to sort of sit together as a family yeah that's uh yeah it's, it's yeah i don't know i i, I find it difficult to fit, sort of articulate my response to that because it's it's so um it's so bizarre isn't it like two yeah ran- it's very strange you get two completely random people suddenly coming to a room and like 
you know they're strangers, but internally your body is telling you, you know, they're friends. It's like, hmm. it's really... Yeah. And olfaction is supposed to be the sense that, that produces kind of the strongest, um, the most evocative sensation of memory, right? So like if you smell something, it's supposed to be very good at evoking um, strong memories. And I think, I think if I remember correctly, I might have to check the research on it. I think particularly like emotional state, like memory of emotional mm-hmm. state. I may be wrong about that. Okay. But um, yeah, so that uh, I think that element of it is a good addition because it has this. Um, you know, if, if you go somewhere and it smells like something familiar, yeah, it, it will has bring you the memory back. Yeah, yeah. No, I which is an odd thing when you've got strangers uh, uh, who are having that impression. Yeah, it's like um, uh, there's a a kind of. Um, odd psychiatric condition mm-hmm. where you're like convinced that everyone around you has been replaced by like imposters oh uh, i think i might mention this we've, at some point. we've talked about this before mm. i remember making notes about this yes yes we did talk yeah. about this and i think it's it feels like the inverse of that right so it's it's strangers who feel very familiar as opposed to people who are and appear familiar but feel strange um, similar so sort of like the, a deja vu when you see someone you're like i hmm. think i've met this person before but it hmm. might it's yeah i get this yeah, yeah. i understand now it yeah it's it feels to me that it's, it's a really th- bizarre thing and i can imagine jean being a bit confused seriously confused about this but you know as long as they're there to help i guess it's fine but i this is where like the chapter ends basically where this whole idea mm. of the dragging and situation is why it's problematic and this is Lilith stood staring staring after Jean hardly aware of Joseph's coming to stand beside her he was drugged but the drug had only made him reckless Peter was right he said angrily she frowned Peter right to try to kill right to die he died a human and he almost managed to take one of them with him she let him. So what? What's changed? On Earth we can change things, not here. Will he want to buy? Will we want to buy then? What will we be? I wonder. Not human. Not anymore. And that's where the chapter ends. And I think this is a very good argument why the whole there's gonna be this whole civil war argue problem with the um, Onkali versus human. You know the humans that that don't want to. Um, deal with the Onkali, be with the Onkali and then, you know, humans that, you know, just give up their sort of fate to the Onkali is just this whole, this whole sentence here, that the whole idea is that it, they drugged them and basically this whole situation was, is a problem and basically will they be human anymore once they mm-hmm. finish with it? And it's, it, and this is the problem and we've discussed this many times. Yep. And it's they, they. I mean, in a sense, they won't be right. That's that's kind of the point of the whole trade thing, right? They're not going to be humans that are just human. They're going to be humans that are at least partly Oankali. Um and they seem to be selecting, right, to a degree. They're they're picking out the people who can handle that, who can accustom themselves to the pro- the prospect of becoming a part of the Oankali. Um, it's what whereas those that are not able to countenance that yeah are not surviving this process it's like it's what kaguya said that she as in lilith and her you know all the other humans that are uh, mm. 
with that, you know, with her will not understand it. The understand Don Carly, but her children will. Mm. And I think that's a that's the thing. Like this whole idea of, um, I don't know. It just feels to me that the books are written in a way that shows that what what will humans what would humans do in such situation? And mm. I think the moment, yeah, the moment there's a children born of the humans and Don Carly a lot of things will change and um you know the whole idea of like you know people those against don kali trying to kill the children and then of course the family's not fighting back because they're the children and stuff like that it's mm. Mm. it's 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 getting clearer and clearer and in in this chapter we finally see what the underlying problem it's the underlying problem and reason behind the, again fighting against Don Carly has been pretty much written down. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's not um, adaptive to be willing to, to to have this this sense of violation when the Uloi violate you. It's not adaptive to to have this kind of sense of strongly human identity uh, and be unwilling to compromise on that in this scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your being removed from the population yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, uh, to be honest i thought to myself just now how because in the book we we're told that you know there are there's the you know there are three different sort of clans or families of the onkali that's those that you know hmm. travel continue traveling further they take some of the humans but they you know they travel further right there's those that's gonna stay hmm. on the planet and then the third group was uh um oh uh i think the um that ah that build a new it. ship and go away uh on the new ship oh yes yes yeah yeah the new ship the existing ship and the, the yes planet. Yeah, so yeah. um that's those three families right but i always and then the and mm. at some point nikanj explained to lilith that um when those two sort of different groups of onkali meet Right, the two different ships, and they, you know, like they, they meet. Mm. Right, they, the biological memory of all those sort of um, combinations is always there. So, right. So imagine mm. like those branching, right? So, hypothetically, let's discuss yeah, yeah. like so. There's a branching, right? At some point, that this this on group of Onkali went here, this group of Onkali went there, right? They they mixed up and blah blah blah, and they go in, and then the, those groups finally meet another aliens. Those groups, I mean, another type of aliens, right? And so there's a branching in that sort of yep. um um in the species so now those mm. let's say after n number of branching they finally meet somewhere right so now they have even though they have this all this biological history right behind them um and it's, they've retained it, enough to do a merge right yeah so like they have the meet mm. they meet each other and they meet like you know this in that bio in their biological memory they remember oh this sort of guys where we were combined together i don't know maybe like three million generations backwards but mm. now they're so different right wouldn't that cause uh do you think wouldn't that cause some sort of problems like you know like you know obviously i'm sort of comparing like human always fighting each other or i can imagine like mm. that causing some conflict unless of course conflict on kali were like oh you know that doesn't matter they share the genetic code between each other and then that does you know that that that's it but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it, it seems like uh, 
once you become Oankali, one of the features of it seems to be this desire to exchange your genes with others, right, to do the yes. trade. So it seems like anyone who wasn't like sufficiently diverged from the Oankali that they'd lost that element, which seems to be a very core component of being Oankali, would just be okay with that merge, right? Because they'd want to know what the respective groups had, had learned, what their new genetic innovations were, yeah. so they could integrate them into their branch. Um, I just imagine yeah. there's going to be so many branches at this point that... Um, at some point, there must be some diversity. And for example, let's take what if groups of Onkali accidentally uh, imp- like start the trade on the same type of species, right? Like, let's take, you no, know, if there's abundance of that species, right, that should be okay. Mm-hmm. But what if there's not? Like, what if with humans, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what if the humans, like, there's only a limited number of them, like, would there be internal fighting? Mm-hmm what's gonna be like I, I feel like it's maybe Don Kali are above all of this right and there are like higher mm. level beings that basically their conflict doesn't exist between themselves but for me it's it's quite um and yes as you said mentioned like what if for example they meet the other on Kali let's put this hypothetical scenario where there's no other species anymore left that hasn't been met with on Kali right mm. so at this point what do the on Kali do like you you meet your like fellow brethren somewhere from other like branch of the chain, right? And you're like, oh, there's basically no more genetic exchange possible between anyone, right? Because there's some connection, there's some imprint of the Onkali in that species anyway. So what do they do at this point? Uh well, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's one of those. It's a difficult question, right? I mean, what it, it's the same problem that you know we'd face with resources right and if we continue to expand exponentially we'll eventually hit some ceiling of what's available they'd have like, if they eventually span to incorporate incorporate all of the available genetic diversity in in their light cone then you know they're out of luck but at the same time a lot of stuff's going on um in separate regions of space right so if they're still evolving independently in different groups and still traveling around then they'd still be potentially new innovations from different environments that they might be able to swap for quite a long time i guess before so. uh, you know then you start getting into heat death the universe stuff but but let's but considering that i think at some point like if if we exclude the heat death and everything of the environment of the universe etc etc i feel like um at some point, right, like, obviously there will be diversity, not diversity at some point, but I, at some point I feel like they are diverging, diverging, and then at some point they're going to start converging again. It's like a basic... Yeah, so in, in the limit, you just have homogeneity, but that's, I don't know, physics. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, it's just for me, it is interesting that, like, the whole idea of the Onkali have either had a conflict with another Onkali spaceship or like sub branching mm. branched uh species subspecies of don Kali. i don't know it's just yeah yeah it's we've never really seen what their like political process or how their kind of leadership structure if one exists works right they've they've, they've always been kind of in the we're only heard on mentions in the of position it. of authority yeah we only had mentions of like the yeah. whole idea of like the collective agreeing that lilith yeah. you know should do this whole prison thing and then the collective agreeing that you know that 
um, what's whatever the guy's name who went to the cupboard was, um, Derek or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, he could put but, uh, put to sleep and stuff yeah. like that. And then obviously Peter's um breaking arm. You know, healing after a few days. You know, this whole process is like. It, mm. There is a collective sort of understanding, but like, for example, what if the collective, what happens to the collective sort of uh, agreement when they meet their subspecies uh, on Kali, right? Mm. Yeah, I said we don't know what the like the mechanism of consensus is in that um, uh, distributed decision making thing they seem to have. It's just, you know, they come to a collective decision, but what does that mean in practice right did did they cast votes how were they weighted how were they counted what were the options yeah. it's uh yeah yeah i i honestly it is interesting and i think like uh it's it'd be interesting book to to read you know seeing what the perspective don Kali and um hmm. and that um the capacity that they have so when when we mentioned earlier that um nikanj was kind of interrupted from its conversation with the other uloi we glossed over slightly that that conversation is not a verbal one. Oh yes, yes, right? it was They're, the connection, just... like that they were touching each other to converse. Yeah, but I mean that that's perfectly normal for them, so it doesn't become relevant. But that's the so they're just you know they're connected by their direct neural links thing. So they have this this like degree to which they can share their uh, thoughts and perhaps even do something like come to one of these consensus decisions mm. as a um, not quite a hive mind thing, but they have almost that that capability, right? Yeah. They can kind of share thoughts almost. Yeah, I th- it's oh. just I don't know. It just feels to me like this this chapter is is set up actual like um, proved, I think, in a way, my predictions of what's going to happen and why is it going to happen. Mm. At least it gave the explanation why it's going to take, why the, all the civil war and stuff like that is going to take place. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And so it's uh, uh, might say something about our our heroes as well, right? So the the properties that it takes to survive as the protagonist in this situation, uh, like you know, and I mean Peter in probably has characteristics that in kind of a more classical literary context I don't know if he was I don't know, like a, a knight or something mm-hmm. from a medieval thing like this his kind of activity might be like the winning strategy ah uh, yes I guess but so yeah in this case you know Lilith who has kind of been willing to sort of or not exactly willing but has been able to kind of knuckle under and handle you know with her sanity intact this repressive frame yeah. uh is is the one who's surviving i guess to be honest i feel like lilith's behavior will make her survive the longest uh, mm. it, at least in the long term in the long run but like um mm. yeah it's just i i feel like those two groups that um have the have, you know formed uh, initially um, now will evolve into something else that is the pro and anti on Kali basically and that's what's going to happen like this is um, uh, this is where it takes going to play I mean, of course the humans will be imprinted on the mm-hmm. aliens but then the question is how far does the imprinting take them and you know like 
what's going to happen is the for example let's say a human kills the non-kali is it going to undergo the same thing as the uloi did after killing pizza is it going to go catatonic? Is yep. it going to yep. uh, affect it mentally? Will the human just go completely insane? Mm. Or at least if it kills one with which it's been um, imprinted, paired yes. in some sense. Uh, what if, for example, yeah. happens to a human that Uloi has been killed by another human, right? So is mm. is the human going to go insane and then attack the other humans? Or what's going to happen? So Yeah, that's interesting. Because it doesn't seem like it's, it, it, at least as far as it got, with Peter, it wasn't enough to prevent him from, you know, raising a hand in violence against his uh, imprinted Uloi. So that doesn't seem to be enough to guarantee there won't be conflict. Yeah, it seems like that it wasn't enough to even like no, um, you can't tell us that the imprinting can kill someone. If push, hmm. if push comes to shove, I think that's what will happen. Like the humans would be able to fight back, and I hmm. think that's yeah. It it doesn't seem to. Um, produce kind of a like a higher level cognition compulsion, right? So that it, 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 you know, people they're still kind of they're aware of the fact that they, you know, they they think differently about it. Like they don't necessarily want to uh, want not to hurt the Uloi or whatever. So there's like that disconnect. So they have this kind of subconscious or very um, like visceral sensation of you know not wanting to hurt them or being attached to them yeah. or whatever. But they still have the like the higher level awareness that this was something that was done to them and that it's not necessarily a, a like an accurate representation of how they mm. feel um, or how they would feel had they not been subjected to it. It's yeah. Um, so it creates an internal conflict. Yeah. I think it's really interesting and I'm looking forward to see what's mm. going to happen next. Uh, but we finally finished this part and yes. it's the next one is the training floor and which basically is self-explanatory we're going to learn what the humans are gonna do um on the training pl- floor of the ship and then before they're gonna get sent to the earth mm-hmm. do you have any uh other sort of specific predictions about what will go on during the rainforest survival training which seems to be what, I think what this is going to consist of I think well in chapter 1 um I think for my prediction for chapter 1 at least for the time being is that we are sort of introduced at the training room the humans are introduced mm-hmm. I mean um where Lilith spent the, you know her a year of her life before and the sort of it'll be like a first walk through of you know the plans of like what they're planning to do with the humans, how they're going to train, you know, and there's definitely going to be, you know, the whole idea of, you know, Lilith is going to be like, you know, there's one thing, you know, Peter, what Peter did is one thing, but, you know, what will the rest of the humans do, right? You know, after the whole, you know, the first sort of wave of the imprinting, that that strong imprinting process going to, you know, uh, diminish now, you know, gonna go back to normal. What will the humans do? And mm. and I'm sure people there will be some humans trying, you know, like, um, and this is more like a long term, I think, prediction. But like, I think some humans will definitely try to escape and then they realize they're basically like a probably in like a dome of a, within, you know, the ship that basically they can't escape anywhere. And okay. that, that's pretty mm. much like what's gonna happen. They're like, oh, actually, we're still trapped. So, mm-hmm. but I think there's going to be this internal problem where the, some humans will not be happy with the whole idea of, you know, being like, of what the Onkali did. And there's going to be, 
the group that was involved with Peter is going to do something silly again. Okay. Instead of like Lilith saying, you know, on Earth there's a chance, but here not. So, so you don't think they'll be kind of cowed by what happened to Peter and the experience that they've had at the end of this training oh, session? No. There'll, there'll still be a few who've got some. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, fight I'm left pretty in. sure Kurt is not going to like it, and he's going to be the one of the people that's definitely going to do try to do something, because it feels to me like if he was mm. able to, um, like. Lily said herself that whatever he, you know, whatever whatever he felt that humiliate humiliation, I can't really speak anymore. Mm. Um, <laughs> he will feel it will be the same as with Peter, but the question is now like, what will um, Don Kali do, right? What what's you know? I don't know. It's interesting mm. and okay. And yep. Let's see. So I, I, I just took a look at the length of the chapters. I think we can probably do chapters one and okay. two. Um, okay, okay. Next week or next uh, episode, rather. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's do chapter one and two then. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I don't know. I, I I'm looking forward to see if there's going to be further development between Lilith, Joseph, and Nikanj. Um, if, for example, you know, are humans going to be left again alone, or are they going to be with the Uloi? Will the will, for example, one day the uh, group that's led by the Kurt or someone just you know secretly building up some resources and basically just go and slaughter, try to slaughter up the Onkali? I don't know, but it feels to me mm-hmm. that something mm-hmm. is approaching. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting because we we've just done this imprinting thing. Um, so do we think that the Uloi are going to still be there in the survival training and they're going to be... I think so. Like, Although, uh, it, we were told... Part of the community. We were told that Lilith is going to train them, but yeah. I don't know. It feels to me that there might be... if. But this is the thing, right? Now, if the humans mm-hmm. are left alone again, away from the Onkali, that would mean mm-hmm. that um, that sort of first shock of the aliens is has been bypassed and in the massive room wherever they are i'm sure they would probably find some way or another to sort of plan something that the onkali might not be fully aware of or maybe they'd be fully aware of but not of the details right because considering mm-hmm. the fact that they could observe them everywhere and then basically you know some massive problem or like some serious situation may arise um so i wouldn't leave the humans alone i would make sure that the onkali are still there just to try to pacify the humans just in case something bad happens hmm. okay right i'll, I'll uh, not ask uh, any more questions about your predictions. I, I, I guess you know <laughs> i guess it's 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 hard to tell but i think personally i think if at this point considering what happened to pizza and what kurt is undergoing now it would be foolish from the Onkali side just to leave them be. Okay. But anyway, so I sh- I shall we... I think we should probably awesome. wrap up. Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone, we were Xenothesis. You can find us everywhere, well, on every po- possible place that we upload uh, this podcast. Uh, you can find us location on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. I was Richard Axon. Bye. Goodbye.